This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Thank you for singing, everyone. We will now move into a time of scripture reading. As we read God's word, uh, let us know that God's word is more than just simply words on a page. God speaks to his people powerfully and actively. As we approach his word, let us have expectant hearts, confident that God speaks today. Let us read from Galatians 1. Galatians 1. Paul, an apostle, said not from man, nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me. To the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one preached to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I was still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God, that what I am writing to you is no lie. Then I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching 
the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. This is the word of God. We will now be listening to Pastor Andrew, who will be teaching us from God's word. Hey, good morning, everyone. Really wonderful to have you all here together with me on Zoom. Wonderful that we can be looking and studying at the book of Galatians, which I think is a wonderful book full of rich treasures. So let's go to God in prayer now as we ask God for the right heart and mind and attitude as we approach his word. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Father, as we come before you today, we truly want to thank you for you are God who continues to watch over us, a God who cares for us. And we need to keep coming back to your word to remind us of that reality. Dear Father, as we come to the book of Galatians, help us to see what you have done for us for our salvation and how what Jesus has done for us out of his love for us. And we pray that as we look at chapter one today, uh, truly you will help us to feel the full weight of what you are saying to us through the Apostle Paul. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, over the last few years, uh, there have been a, a few fires in Singapore uh, as a result of the personal mobility devices. You know, uh, the batteries keep uh, exploding and, uh, you know, flat start, uh, you know, getting uh, on fire. And so there have been many, many fires. But recently, thankfully, uh, the fires haven't been so frequent because the government has been uh, banning these illegal PMDs and also restricting them. But it's interesting to me uh, that as I was reading some of these articles, uh, that people were running back into their flats to save things which were in the flat. So people go back, try to save, obviously, maybe relatives, save pets, uh, save material things. And that brings me to the question that I want to ask you today, and I want you to consider in your own life. What is the most valuable thing in your life that you absolutely cannot afford to lose right? what is the most valuable thing in your life that you cannot afford to lose now obviously for some people it will be relationships like family parents children for some people maybe material things other people it may be uh, maybe pets so what is the most valuable thing in your life that you cannot afford to lose well as we come to the book of galatians uh paul tells us that the most valuable thing in our life that we cannot afford to lose is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, that means that uh, today's passage, as we go through the book of Galatians, is really relevant for all of us because we have a danger, a proneness, a tendency where we are able, in many ways, to lose that most valuable thing in our life, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let's now turn to the book of Galatians to see how uh, Paul actually teaches us how not to lose this most valuable thing, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. So the gospel begins in verse 1. Paul, an apostle, said not from men or by men, but by Jesus Christ and the Lord God our Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers with me to the churches in Galatia. Now, if we pay attention to what's happening here as we come to the book of Galatians, the beginning of Galatians is very abrupt, very sudden, even defensive in tone, right? Uh, usually when Paul writes to uh, other people, uh, other churches, other communities, uh, he writes with a certain structure, 
You know, he, he, he usually prays for them. He thanks God for them. He praises them even. But none of that subtlety here, right? He wants to get straight to the point. Now, why? Why is that? It seems as if Paul is like this worried parent who's worried about his, uh, his, his, his spiritual children. And he really wants to get to the point. He can't, you know, waste time talking about the weather. Reminds me a bit of when I was sent to go to boarding school when I was very young at 13. And my early conversations with my parents, they didn't worry about what's the weather like. They were like, are you keeping warm? Uh, how are you getting on in school? Uh, you know, uh, are you getting enough to eat? That sort of concern and worry. Now, why then is Paul so concerned and worried that he would start his letter to the Galatians in such a sudden and, and, and abrupt and even defensive tone? Well, a bit of background here is important. Um, Paul was a missionary. And Paul, he uh, went to Galatia. Can you see Galatia? And he planted churches there. He preached the gospel. People evangelized. But what happened was, uh, soon after, Paul continued on his way, on his missionary journeys. He made his way to other places. And when he was gone, some other people came to these churches that Paul had planted in Galatia. And they started questioning Paul. Started questioning his authority. Started questioning the gospel that he preached. And so that's why Paul... Uh, would then start off his uh, letter in such a sudden and defensive way, not because he's the defensive person, you know, he's worried about his ego or something, but he's really, really worried about the, the gospel that he's preached. He's worried about the salvation of the churches that he's planted. So he begins by asking this question, right? You know, what is an apostle? And so as we read from what Paul says back to the situation in the church of Galatia. It seems as if uh, these teachers who had come to the church in Galatia, they were probably questioning the authority of Paul. Right? What is his authority? Who appointed him? Who sent him? Who endorsed him? Because in those days, the original 12 apostles, well, you know, they walked with Jesus, they ate with Jesus, and they talked with teacher, Jesus. They were personally chosen, personally called, and personally commissioned by Jesus Christ in the flesh. But who is Paul, right? Because Paul came into the scene after Jesus Christ was taken up into heaven. So how is he chosen? How is he called? And how is he commissioned by Jesus Christ? And those were the questions that were left in the mind because Paul was claiming these things. But then these false teachers came and they were discrediting him. And so Paul then begins his letter in this way to defend his apostleship. Now, in the letter itself, it's not until verse 11 where Paul goes on to explain exactly how it is that he is called, chosen, and commissioned, and how the gospel is actually revealed in a divine, supernatural way to him. So in verse 11, it begins, I want you to know, brothers. And so here he begins this autobiographical section of uh, the book of Galatians. He wants to tell them about what his past is, what happened to him personally. I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preached is not something that man made up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. Okay. Then what happens now is, after he's made his point about the gospel that he's received in the divine revelation, that he's been entrusted through divine revelation, and the fact that he is chosen, called, and commissioned, he wants to then show to them how this actually happened. 
He says, for you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, right? Before when he was a Jew, this is the before picture. How intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism before, beyond many Jews of my own age and ex was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. So in Paul's previous life, before he became apostle, we can see that Paul here was a Judaistic chauvinist, so to speak. He was extremely zealous in practicing his Judaism. And that extended to him uh, persecuting the church and trying to destroy it. He went from place to place trying to arrest Christians, destroy the church. What happened after that was truly remarkable because Paul went from persecuting Christians to preaching Christ. He went from destroying the church to evangelism. He went from extreme Judaism to an apostle of Christianity. And this happened because of a supernatural divine revelation to Paul. So Paul went on in verse 15 and said, but when God who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace, so here, even though Jesus Christ had physically ascended up to heaven, God supernaturally caused Jesus because he had chosen Paul to call Paul into his service as an apostle. So he was, God was pleased to reveal his son, Jesus Christ, in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. And here, as we look at this, uh, we are reminded of what happens to Paul in the book of Acts. And so in the book of Acts, we are given uh, a historical account of the early church. <clears throat> and so what do we read here about Paul? Well, it parallels what we read here in the book of Galatians. It says, on one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. About noon, O king, as I was on that road, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. Is it? Then I asked, who are you, Lord? And this is the important point that we need to pay attention. I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. So God revealed Jesus to Paul. And it's through this supernatural divine experience that God called him and commissioned him to reveal the gospel to people, to preach this gospel that he divinely received. So he said, now get up, stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness to what you have seen of me and what I will show you. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from the darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, so that you may receive forgiveness of sins so that they may receive, sorry, forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So here we see that Paul, even though he didn't walk with Jesus, he didn't talk with Jesus, he was not like the original 12 apostles, but yet he had received a supernatural calling, a supernatural commissioning as, a, as an apostle, but also he had been 
divinely receiving a revelation from God, a divine entrusting with this gospel. Now, this is really important uh, because the whole point of what we're reading here is a, Paul, a, a Pauline defense of his apostleship. And this defense is really important because we are given the purpose as we go, as we go through the book of uh, Galatians, that the Galatians as well as ourselves, need to hold on to this gospel. So we need to have confidence in Paul as a divinely called, chosen, and commissioned apostle. And we need to know that his gospel is divine revelation and divine entrusting. But as we go back to Galatians itself in verse 2, there's this throwaway line, right? And all the brothers with me, right? So Paul greets them as an apostle and all the brothers with me to the churches in Galatia. Now this is quite... Uh, something which is easy to miss. You know, we might miss it. Uh, if, we read the, if we read the book of Galatians quickly, we might sort of skip it and we think, what's the big deal? But I think that Paul has actually put this here for a reason. Because what he's actually trying to say, that his apostleship is not something with which he claims for himself, but rather all the churches uh, around, all the brothers and sisters in Christ, in all the regions that he has uh, ministered to as well as back, in, uh, in, in his home churches, they, in a sense, approve and endorse and recognize Paul as an apostle. And so it is not something in which he claims an isolation, he claims for himself, but rather it is something which is actually recognized among the church of his day. And so as a result, if this is true, it's all part of the logic of his argument of why they need to hold on tight to the gospel of Jesus Christ that he's preached because he's divinely sent, not by man, but by God himself, given the revelation of Jesus for which he is supposed to preach. Now, if this is the first section, just the first few verses, then the flow of the argument then goes on to verse 3 onwards. And in verse 3 onwards, Paul now, in a sense, shows us the core of the gospel that he preaches. What is the, in a sense, uh, the heart of the gospel that he's been given divinely by God that he's been preaching to them. Well, it says there, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who says that gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion, are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Now, as we look at this passage, basically, it answers the question, what is the gospel? What is the gospel? Now, this is really important uh, because... Here he is trying to ask them to hold on to the gospel, but unless they know what the gospel is, what will they be holding on to? And so right at the very beginning of his, his introduction, he shows us what his gospel is about. His gospel really has two parts. Two people. What God does in the work of salvation, what Jesus does in the work of salvation. That's what the gospel of Jesus Christ is about. That's the gospel that Paul preaches. What God does for salvation and what Jesus does for salvation. So you can see this in the blue, and you can see this in the red. 
So what does God do? God gives His grace, grace and peace to you from God our Father. He says that, I'm astonished you're so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace, by the grace okay, of Christ. Now, what is grace? Uh, grace is free mercy, generous mercy. Um, it is uh, you know, undeserved mercy. Now, this is really, really important to us uh, because without free mercy, without undeserved mercy, we cannot stand before God, right? Because we actually deserve judgment. We deserve hell. We deserve condemnation. But God, out of His free mercy, undeserved mercy, general mercy, well, He doesn't give us what we deserve, judgment, death, hell, but He gives us what we don't deserve, salvation. Now, because God gives us His grace, then He sends Jesus in the red, right, to give Himself, He gave Himself on the cross. He died for us, for our sins, to rescue us from the present evil age. Jesus is the one who, out of God's grace, rescues us and dies on our behalf. And that is really the heart of the gospel that Paul preaches. What is the gospel? Two things, what God does and what Jesus does. God gives us grace. Jesus gives us his body on the cross to rescue us from sins. Now, it seems pretty easy, right? Anybody can remember this. Who can't remember two things? Who can't hold on to these two things? But seems like the Galatians had this problem. And I think many people living today have this problem. They lose the gospel. And so, what is Paul's response? Paul says, I am astonished, right? He was astonished that they're so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of, of God. Now, this word here, astonished, is the idea of being really shocked, right? really, really amazed in a very bad way. It's a bit like, you know, when I was in boarding school and my parents called me up on the phone and they asked me, how are things at school? And I say to them, oh, I decided to drop out. School's not for me. Or I tell them, ah, I've decided to take drugs. Or, you know, I've got a girl pregnant. My parents would be astonished. And that's exactly how Paul felt. He was astonished because they were deserting the gospel. Oh, hold on a minute. That's not what it says, right? It doesn't say they were deserting the gospel, but rather it says they were deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ. They were deserting not the gospel. They were deserting God. And that's a really interesting thing as we pay attention to the book of Galatians. As they turn to a different gospel, what's actually happening is not that they are turning to a different gospel, that they're turning away from God himself. They're deserting God. This word here, turning away, is the idea of desertion. It's a bit like, you know, uh, a young man does national service in Singapore, and then when war comes, he starts fighting for the enemy. Well, that's not exactly what's happening here. As they desert to a different gospel, Paul says that they are deserting God. They're turning away from God. Now, how, how is this happening? Why is it deserting or turning away to a different gospel means turning away from God? Well, I think it's because by turning to a different gospel, they would be treating with contempt God's free and undeserved mercy. So they're turning away from God's 
free and undeserved mercy. By turning away from God, they'll be turning away from Jesus, right? Who gave himself for their sins to rescue them. And most of all, they will be turning away from the gospel of Jesus Christ, which was divinely revealed through Paul to them. So that's why if you turn away from the gospel, you're deserting God. You're deserting God's grace. You're deserting God's son. You're deserting the gospel that God entrusted to Paul. The passage then goes on to say that he was astonished, right? Paul was astonished because they were turning, it says there, to a different gospel, right? They were turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into a confusion and are perverting the gospel of Christ. Now, why is it that this gospel is no gospel? Why is it this different gospel is a perversion of the gospel? Well, fundamentally, the good news of Jesus or the gospel of Jesus is trying to answer this question. What is that question? How can a sinful person stand before a holy God without facing condemnation? That is the whole purpose of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How can a sinful person stand before a holy God without facing condemnation? Because left ourselves, left our own devices, everyone deserves condemnation. We are all sinful. And because we stand before a holy God, we will all face condemnation for our sins. However, right? Oh, sorry. So this diagram shows how sin brings death and judgment. So this is the sad, sad state that we are in. We face death because of our sin. We face condemnation and judgment. But God brings us good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And through the gospel of Jesus Christ, we learn of God's free and undeserved mercy, God's grace, which allows us to stand before God without facing condemnation. Because God's grace sends Jesus to give his life for our sins on the cross to rescue us. So as a result, believe, right? It says, hold on to Paul's gospel of Jesus Christ, which has the grace of God and the Jesus giving of himself as the heart and not the different gospels of Jesus Christ, which is actually not gospel or not good news, but bad news. You see, uh, I remember reading in the newspaper that in Cambodia, um, people were substituting real medicine with counterfeit fake medicine. So here, you know, you've got medicines, right? Okay, medicines. Anyway, so, you know, if you take this real medicine, it works and it protects you and, uh, you know, saves your life. But in Cambodia, people are substituting real medicine with fake medicine, sugar. Uh, they were substituting it with uh, flour. And so these people were taking what they thought was real medicine, but it wasn't working because it wasn't real and they were dying. And what is what Paul is saying here about these different gospels? They are no gospel at all. They are perversion. Because only Paul's gospel is like the real medicine, the real antidote to condemnation. But these different gospels at the last day, when you stand before God, they're not going to save you. 
because the sinful person cannot stand before a holy God without facing condemnation, without Paul's gospel. And so here, as we look at what Paul is saying about the gospel, Paul is saying, hold on tight to the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? The one that's focused and it has at its core and its heart God's grace and Jesus giving his life for our sins to rescue us. Because without that gospel, there is no gospel. There is a perversion of the gospel. There is no salvation from condemnation. Now, Paul then goes on to say in verse 8 and 9, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. Powerful, powerful words, right? Let him be cursed. Let him go to hell. As we've already, already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you've accepted, let him be eternally condemned. Now, there is a logic okay, in these uh, 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 two verses that uh, Paul is writing. And the logic really is uh, a condition result statement. Condition result. Okay? It's a condition result statement. The condition is if we, an apostle or an angel from heaven, should preach another gospel other than what they receive, condition meant result. Let the person be eternally condemned. And in the flow of the argument, what he's saying is, even if an apostle, an angel, and both of these are highly exalted figures, right? highly respected figures, highly authoritative figures, I mean, apostle and angel, you can't get any higher than that. Even if they should preach a gospel other than the ones that they really received from Paul, which God entrusted to him and divinely revealed to him, then that apostle or so-called apostle or an angel, the angel should be eternally condemned. And therefore, even if an apostle or an angel should preach a different gospel, will be eternally condemned that anybody who preaches another gospel to that which Paul has preached should also be eternally condemned. Now, in this very, very simple condition result statement that Paul is making, he's making some very, very important points. The first point that he's making is, the authority comes from the gospel that Paul preaches over everyone. The content of the gospel centered around God's grace and Jesus giving of his life for sins. This gospel, the content, has authority over apostles, has authority over angels, has authority over everyone. And that is a really, really important lesson for us today. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, we should be hypercritical of pastors or cynical of pastors. I'll be obviously, I hope that you respect me and the other pastors in our church. But what it is saying here is the authority comes not from the pastor, but the authority comes from God's word in the Bible. The authority comes from the gospel, which was divinely revealed and entrusted to Paul. And so I remember uh, a good friend of mine, Joshua Ng. He's a staff worker in the University of New South Wales. And he was sharing with me how, you know, uh, he would meet with Singaporean students and they would be reading the Bible. And then they would be reading the Bible and then they'll say something like, oh, that can't be right because my pastor doesn't say that. And they would actually choose to follow the pastor and what the Bible said. Now, according to Galatians, that's wrong, right? Because 
the authority doesn't come from the office of the pastor, but it comes from the Bible. And the authority comes from the gospel that has been divinely entrusted to the apostles. So it doesn't matter whether a person calls themselves an apostle. So you, you know, in Singapore, there are people who do actually give themselves the title or office of apostle. You can look it up on Google. There are a few. Doesn't matter if they call themselves reverend. Doesn't matter if they call themselves priest. Doesn't matter if they call themselves father. Doesn't matter if they use Christian jargon. They say amen a lot or hallelujah. What really counts at the end is whether they follow and sit under the authority of the gospel, which has been given and entrusted to Paul and recorded in the Bible. The second point I think that Paul was also trying to make is the gospel of Jesus Christ is unchanging and fixed forever. See, the gospel doesn't change. The gospel doesn't evolve over time. That seems to be the crucial mistake of the Galatian church. They received the gospel from Paul. Then these other people say, oh no, we, we need to add improvements to the gospel that Paul gave. But it doesn't work that way. You know, like, so I have my handphone here. And you know, my handphone, just like I'm sure you, you all would have, uh, you often get upgrades, right? Same with your computer, your laptops, you get version 1.1, then you get an upgrade, then there's version 1.2. Uh, you get another upgrade, you get version 1.3. That doesn't work with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's, it's once for all, right? It's God's gospel that's been given through Paul once and for all. It doesn't change. It doesn't evolve in this way. But yet, I remember listening to uh, this principal from a very prestigious seminary in America speaking in Singapore. And he was saying, you know, uh, the Bible that we have today, okay, the Bible that we have, okay, let me just get the Bible out for you, right? The Bible that we have, he was saying, oh, you know, this is what the primitive church believed. Uh, you know, the words in the Bible, uh, this is what... Uh, the primitive church followed. But we're not the primitive church anymore, right? We're modern, we're progressive, and we know uh, what the good gospel is for today. Let's make some improvements. And so he outlined how we can improve the gospel. We improve it in terms of our understanding of Jesus. We improve it in terms of our understanding of God. We improve it in terms of our understanding of judgment. We improve it in terms of our understanding of the miracles. We improve it in terms of the understanding of sexuality. We improve it in terms of our understanding of gender. But what Galatians says is, these are not Gospels. These are not uh, saving Gospels. These are perversions of the Gospel. Because the Gospel that God gave divinely to Paul is unchanging and fixed forever. If someone will come with a different Gospel, let them be eternally condemned. Now, the last point I think that Paul was trying to make from this was that the Gospel of Jesus Christ is exclusive and cannot tolerate other Gospels. Now, as we look at uh, uh, the passage here, it reminds me of this conversation that I had with a deacon uh, in a very large Presbyterian church. This is an evangelical church, uh, Bible-believing church. And this deacon and I were having this conversation. So we're discussing about uh, the teachings of uh, various different churches, you know, prosperity, gospel, charismatic, whatever. And um, anyway, so at the end of the conversation, he said to me, he says, oh, you know, I think they're just all different expressions of authentic Christian faith. Uh, the word he actually used was, oh, they're just different styles of Christianity, different styles of Christianity. 
thought that the phrase that he used, the different styles of Christianity, really captures and encapsulates the mood of today, the culture of today. Because the culture of today is the culture of pluralism, where you believe what is right, I believe what is right, we are all right. Uh, the culture of today embraces inclusivism, right? Uh, we accept and embrace everybody, you know, nobody's wrong. But that's not what Galatians is saying here at all. Paul is saying very, very clearly, in very, very strong terms, that there is only one true gospel of Jesus Christ which was entrusted and revealed to him, and other gospels which contradict or disagree with that gospel, they are perversions of the gospel. They are no gospels. They, they have no saving value. So the gospel of Jesus Christ is actually exclusive. It cannot tolerate other gospels. Now, the authority of the gospel over everyone, the gospel of Jesus Christ being unchanging, the gospel of Jesus Christ being exclusive, Paul then goes on uh, to show how these things are true because the gospel that he's preached to the Galatians is not a subjective man-made thing which you know can improve version 1.1, version 1.2, version 1.3. It is a once-for-all thing which has been given by God, revealed to him, entrusted to him, and passed down to the Galatian Christians. So look at what he says there at the end of this chapter. He said, after God had revealed his son to me, I did not consult any man, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was. But I went immediately into Arabia and later returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I am writing you is no lie. Later, I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report, the man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they praise God because of me. Now you see here, I've got different colors, right? And what Paul is trying to say is that uh, immediately after he received this divine revelation and divine entrusting, he did not consult any man. He did not go to Jerusalem, and he did not see the apostles, but instead immediately he went to Arabia and Damascus and was preaching evangelizing, building churches, doing his mission work. But after three years, he did see the Apostle Peter, but only for 15 days, right? It wasn't as if he went there for some theological education. Uh, as you know, our, uh, our, our brothers and sisters, uh, Nick and uh, Shirley, they went to ETC Asia, the theological college, for three years to get their theological education. Here, Paul was just visiting for 15 days. So Paul's point was, his revelation, his entrusting of the gospel did not come from any man, but was a divine one from God. So if it didn't come from the apostles, it also didn't come, he says here, from the churches. Because he said that he was personally unknown to the churches in Judea. It's not as if he went and, uh, you know, he was visiting some church in, in Judea and you know, he was listening to the sermons and he was learning in that way. No, uh, he, he got it in a supernatural, divine way, and uh, he didn't learn in church. And so the whole point that he's trying to make here is because it is not his gospel, 
but God's gospel, the revelation of Jesus Christ supernaturally in his life. Therefore, this authoritative gospel must be exclusive and must be once for all. So in this way, hold tight to the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? Paul is saying, it is come to you through me who is divinely chosen, divinely called and commissioned, and also who's received it by divine revelation and entrusted with it. And so hold on tight to this gospel, which is centered at its cause about God's work, God's grace, and about Jesus' work, Jesus giving his life on the cross for our sins. So many years ago, in conclusion, um, I, I was a catechist at a church in Australia, and this is where when I, you're studying in, in theological college and you're uh, kind of like sent to a, a church to be, you know, just a, a, a helping out a little bit because you're studying most of the time anyway. So I, this church I went to was called St. Paul's in Carlingford. It was a big church, big building, big grounds in a residential area. It didn't have a fence, right? it was open to the main road and to the neighbors. And so one Sunday, uh, after I finished whatever I was supposed to do, um, I went looking for my, my kids. I couldn't find my youngest son, Ben. So we went to the playground. Ben is not there. Went to the rooms where uh, they had their children's church ministry. Again, Ben was not there. And we're looking everywhere. Uh, soon, the people in the church started looking for Ben as well. Ben, Ben, where are you? Right, Ben, Ben, where are you? And then, you know, we were looking for at least half an hour. And then, you know, we're getting already stressed out. My wife was a bit teary. I was, uh, you know, thinking, oh dear, I have to lodge a police report. Ben's been kidnapped, right? And, and even the people of the church were a bit stressed out as well. Finally, uh, we found Ben, my son, uh, hiding in the next service at the back row drawing in, uh, in the back pew. And we were really relieved. But I always remember that terrible feeling that I felt for that half an hour when I thought that uh, we had lost our younger son, Ben. I wonder how you felt or you can remember feeling when you, you thought you lost something really valuable or you lost something really valuable. The emotions you felt, right? the, the sorrow, the upset, the shock. Well, I think the book of Galatians actually tells us that no matter how bad we have felt when we lost something really valuable in our life, or we thought we lost something really valuable in our life. It's nothing compared to how bad we would feel if we lose the gospel of Jesus Christ that Paul was entrusted with, that Paul preached to us. Because the upset we would feel would be a million times worse when we stand before God on Judgment Day. And we think that we have the gospel, we think that we are saved, but God says, nope, you know, you're condemned for eternity to hell because we have believed the wrong gospel. So I hope that as we've begun the book of Galatians today, we will really, really be struck by the importance of holding on tightly to the gospel of Jesus Christ that we have in the Bible. Uh, the once for all gospel that was entrusted to Paul. The gospel which centers on the work of God, God's grace, the work of Jesus, his giving of his life for our sins on the cross to rescue us from this evil age. Let's go to God in prayer.
Dear Father, as we come before you today, we truly want to thank you for salvation is all your work. It is all Jesus' work. It is because of your grace and generosity, your free mercy towards us, which sent Jesus to go to the cross to give of his life for our sins uh, to rescue us from uh, this evil age. Dear Father, we live in an age where we are prone to wander, just like the times of Galatia, of the people of Galatia, uh, where we live in a time of pluralism and inclusivism, where the world keeps telling us it's okay to follow other gospels, it's okay to have different styles of, of, uh, of Christianity, uh, where we feel that uh, we can focus on other gospels, other things, improve on the gospel. But help us to take heed and be truly serious about what we have learned and heard today. That there is only one gospel, and that gospel is authoritative over all the other teaching in this world. That it is once for all. You can't improve on it. You can't add to it. You can't subtract from it. And also it is exclusive. It tolerates no other gospels. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Uh, thank you, Pastor Andrew, for the sobering but also encouraging truths from Galatians. We will now be moving into our time of breakout rooms to discuss the sermon. So we encourage you to please turn on your cameras and unmute yourselves as we head off into our breakout rooms. We will be discussing the following two questions today. Question one, how might Christians be losing the true gospel of Jesus Christ? and be following a different gospel today. And also question two, what pressures do Christians feel to follow a different gospel from the gospel revealed to Paul? So we'll now be moving into our breakout rooms. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg